Welcome to the Waffle Shop Podcast with me, Taylor James. This is the podcast that gets people waffling about their mental health, coping mechanisms, life's minor inconveniences, and the music that soundtracks it all. So join me as I open up shop and have a waffle. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online, and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Waffle Shop Podcast, the podcast where myself and a wide range of guests have a waffle about mental health, life's challenges and those pet hates that really get on our nerves. I'm your host Taylor James, so join me as I open up shop and have a waffle. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Waffle Shop Podcast. Today, I'm joined by the TV actress, self-development coach, and the founder of the Happy Me Project, Holly Matthews. Welcome to The Waffle Shop. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I am so happy you're here. I've wanted you on this show from literally very, very early days. And it took me a while to kind of reach out (laughs) because I was like, no, that's so nice. Do you know what? I love it. I love, I love the ethos of everything that you're doing. And when you told me about it, I just loved it. And it's, yeah, I mean, you've done amazing with it. You've done so incredible with it. And, and it's because it's real, right? It's because you, yeah, you do well, reach I out. Think and you, so. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. And right. you know what? My, my, whole, my whole work in life has been in Newcastle, where I'm from, we say there's a saying called shy bairns getting out, right? Shy bairns. Bairn in Newcastle means kid. But, yeah. So, if you don't ask, you don't get, right? And I've lived yes. my whole life like that. If you don't have a go at something, you don't ask and you don't get a bit cheeky sometimes and push your luck, you know, you don't know what doors are going to be opened. And actually, that's exactly what's happening. <laughs> people don't ask. And then and people if they say and no, often, I just pull the cold, like, oh, my mum's poorly card. And they're like, oh, nice. oh yeah. <laughs> straight in there with the X Factor story. Straight in there. Oh, look. You know, we're in a pandemic. Like I can't, yes, I can't turn up with like a dry ice machine and like a, you know, I can't true. do that. It's, you know, time, times no. are hard. <laughs> drop, just drop the ill mom in there. And then, yeah, that's it. Everyone's on the show. Is that how you've done this? Didn't even, you mentioned it a little bit, but you didn't yeah, really play see? on it with me. No? Every, every time, every time. Just keep that in your locker. Keep that for safekeeping that one. Yep. But, but to be fair, it hasn't, well, a few people have said no, but the, Bro, I don't want to talk about those because that's negative. I'm we won't talk, talk about, about positive. those. We won't talk about those. Exactly, exactly. I want to launch straight into your story because I think it's one that I really 
kind of familiarize myself with obviously i know it's very different scenarios but there's a few kind of moments throughout it that have really kind of made me feel like oh okay i'm not the only one in that kind of situation that i'm in and you know it's quite comforting knowing that you know there is not that i want other people to go through it don't get me wrong but of course but you know like it just makes it me feel a little bit more human um and that's i think that's why to talk about it isn't it like that for me is why why i talk about my own story is because i know that other people are going through it i'm not the only yeah. one that's going through it you're not the only one that's going through it and so if we can talk about this stuff it makes us feel less alone yeah like i mean i didn't know alone. half this stuff existed i didn't even know you know about you know you always hear it like i mean probably from some of the tv shows that you've been in you always expect <laughs> you know those kind of things to happen in tv so when it's actually happened to yourself you're like oh okay well what, what, what do i do what do i do now kind of thing yeah um, of course but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it over to you if you if you don't mind, just to kind of give no, of a bit of a background in terms of you know how and what you went through to get to where you are now. Yeah, so my husband Ross had brain cancer, so we um, we were to, well, but before that, I was a TV actress and I did shows like Casualty and things like that, as you said. So <laughs> I was often in amongst like um, all this health like related stuff and all this dramatic TV stuff. In fact, I did say once I eventually, if I do decide to go back doing TV, I just need to do comedy because like, yeah. I, it just feel like it attracted a lot of hospital stuff into my life. <laughs> casualty like three times in a short space of time. And suddenly like my husband had brain cancer. Like I'm not saying it's related at all, but it just felt like I should do comedy next. But yeah, so in 2014, my husband Ross, who was, we, we were 29 at the time and he was, diagnosed with brain cancer and it was a complete shock so before that my husband was on the autistic spectrum so when we have two children so we'd recently our first sorry our second daughter would have been just about to turn one when he was wow. diagnosed so we were right in in baby stage and my other one was about to turn three and we might he'd started to experience depression and anxiety and he was having what we assumed were forms of a panic attack yeah. what turned out to be focal seizures in his left hand so that's where you have it's like a tension in your hand your body feels a feeling of anxiety but it's essentially a seizure so when we went to the doctor with the symptoms there was a lot of talk about oh potentially it's a panic attack it's anxiety yeah. and with his diagnosis of autism he, he was only diagnosed at 26 and um the, the the lady who diagnosed him said look you know that you're having children before you start you know once um this may be you know what i think i was pregnant when he was diagnosed and she said you know you do need to think about um that the fast-paced change of early pregnancy may be um difficult for him because often autistic people find change difficult and so when he started to experience this um more prolonged anxiety and then more of a depression where, with our second we put it down to look we've had two babies in a short space of time it's all changed it's all go so it's, it's a lot isn't it it's like huge life-changing kind of huge life-changing stuff and and so we kind of thought well this is anxiety and we were dealing with the anxiety side of things and we did all the you know the things that i do now we, we talk about self-development stuff and i would talk to him and, and he was really bad i mean he was actually at one point at the the, the point where he was like I'm worried I'm going to do something stupid here. I'm going to oh, wow. like hurt myself. And we were, and actually when there's an episode of casualty that I did, where it was a really serious episode where I was playing a girl who was raped. And I actually can't watch the scenes on that because the crying in it is real because I'd real. taken a call for him. I'd taken a call from him not long before doing the scenes where he said, I just, I needed to wake up our kids up like to get up because I was worried I needed some perspective because he was that low now what happened when he was diagnosed was this weird space of understanding of why that had happened he had a yeah. brain tumor in his head pushing on a part of his brain it was frontal lobe it was pushing on parts of his brain that was affecting his mental health and um so actually there was a weird sense of obviously horror that it's brain cancer that's the worst news you're going to get you know yeah. you, it's your brain so it's 
it wasn't even when I was doing all my research on Google, you know, the, the good old Google <laughs> telling you what, what's wrong with your health. And I was looking for anxiety stuff and the symptoms I was putting, it was, it did come up with brain cancer, obviously. As the, and, and your initial thought, I'd had no experience of cancer. I'd had no experience of anyone having this stuff. No, you know, thankfully for me, nobody at that time had had cancer around me. Yeah. And so that wasn't where my head went. That wasn't my blueprint of the world. And so when it came up, I was like, yeah, it's, it's 29. It's can't be that. Cancers. Yeah, it can't be. People, <laughs> I, I mean, like, the people that young don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. And so we went into hospital on basically, I'd, I think I'd just done a, some filming for something. I came back home. He had a really intense headache and um, we'd already spoken to the doctor. He was on a, well, a waiting list for a headache clinic to, to go and see somebody about these headaches he was having. They were really intense, like ice pick headaches. And um, on this day, he woke up, he was vomiting, headaches. I phoned the ambulance and just said, look, can we do a GP, what's called a GP liaison? You've got to get them in quicker. So yeah. you're not just going through accident emergency. And um, we got him to hospital. We were there all day. And honestly, with all the tests they were doing and everything, I assumed and, and kind of was feeling frustrated. I thought we were going to get the end of the day and they were going to go, it's anxiety, it's depression. Yeah. This is what things, because in reality, you know, you, that kind of, stress and pressure can do all kinds of weird things yeah, to your body both mentally all and physically it's, it's, physically it's, it's, yeah it's insane. it's insane what can happen and you can think you know you've got a, a sore tummy and it's like so, so tummy is this may be a mum more death yeah. <laughs> you need to go to the toilet <laughs> um you know you can have a sore stomach and then you can and it can be related to the fact you've been worried all day so you know we know it's physical so i thought we'd get to the end of the day and they would just go Look, I'm re- really sorry. We're gonna have to. We're gonna pass them on to see a counselor or something like that. And so I was thinking that what happened is around eight o'clock at night. We've been there all day. It's dark. Um, in fact, a guy next to us in the bay had died, which was horrendous. God. An old guy had just died, so that just happened. And so we were like, "Oh shit, that's really bad." Like someone just died. And um, we were sat there, and then the curtains opened, and. And I have spoken about this at a conference before because I believe that doctors need some severe training in delivery and how they deliver bad news. Yes, yep. you are speaking um, to the right yeah. person mm-hmm. here. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and obviously we, we actually talk, we know the same hospital. So it was, it was absolutely this. And I was actually able to speak to brain surgeons and um, oncologists at some major like event a couple of years back where they just gave me the floor and um, let me tell them off basically and go, you want to learn? you need to learn how to tell deliver better so they walked in and the two doctors no warning no anything just said i'm really sorry mr blair but you have an egg-sized tumor in your brain uh we'll do we'll look at the possibility of brain surgery chemo but if there's nothing else that we can do we'll just keep you comfortable and we were just like oh my god lord we were just like okay and his mom was actually with us as well i looked at him and as always you know just Get, Ross very much just lived in the moment and I looked at him and he went all right what's next what do we do and at every stage both me and my husband were very um as a couple from the second we met we were a couple and yeah. we were pals like proper pals we kicked about together both entrepreneurs both worked for ourselves we didn't spend a day but we had we just laughed like we used to yeah. say those that play those that play together stay together have a laugh with each other trust each other and just like with everything that. and yeah. that. like we were just mates and, and ruthlessly so you know he was autistic there was no like gray area and what came out of his mouth like it was black and white like he would tell you you looked like a hot mess and he was all the time looked <laughs> amazing and also everybody else outside of the house which was very funny at times but also <laughs> offended a lot of people um so anyone that has stories about my husband certainly in coventry there will be many um it was um, barred from this it, pub this pub and yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> when I first came to Coventry, I think he slept with most of Coventry. So um, when I got there, when people were like, you're, so you're his, is, are you, are you, is his girlfriend? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, oh, okay. And then we'd walk away and I'd say, did you, did you, have you, been, have you slept with her? And he'd be yeah. like, yeah, yeah. And a friend, and I, and like, oh, oh my God's God. sake. So yeah, he was um, prolific. Um, but he, you know, he was a very honest person. The way he lived was very honest. And our relationship was very like raw in many ways. Like we just were what we were and there was no you know so from the the whole time of him having brain cancer and going through he had two two brain surgeries and chemo and radiotherapy and all that stuff in between he dealt with it at source and he didn't read the stuff that he was supposed to have the symptoms he didn't think about brain cancer and he would just say 
look, they tell me I've got cancer. I can't fucking feel it. Like, yeah. I'm just going to live my life. They, and I think the hardest thing actually for him was the not being able to drive. That was the diff, most difficult because that's your instantly your, um, your, you, your, you've been able to look after yourself. But it's like your sense of kind of freedom, isn't it? It's that's your freedom. Kind of now one, been taken away. Yeah. And that was really, really difficult for him. But we found ways around it. You know, he, he was riding a bike. I was getting shouted at in the car as the driver. <laughs> um, and uh, that was great. Um, but we dealt with it. And so we never actually, it's very weird. Like the, Ross had brain cancer for three and a half years before in July, uh, July 2017, he died. And for us, um, up to that point, yes we'd had all this stuff and if if you wrote it down and you really lived in those moments and really assessed what went on you know yeah. certainly things like seizures and things like that were really tr quite traumatic they're never nice because yeah. they're so out of left field and you never expect them and they're always different and it it's very jarring as as the care of the person that's there um but other than that we lived our lives fully and actually the benefit of and, and maybe you've experienced this as well the benefit of having such hard horrible news and we always knew that like ross would say look i'm giving this all i've got right i'm gonna give yeah. it proper i'm gonna do what i've got to do he had his second brain surgery purely because he was like i don't want you guys to think that i didn't give it a shot i don't want you ever yeah. to worry that i didn't try it was always thinking forward thinking about us that were potentially to be left behind and he but he never it was never like oh this is like like it was never done for he was always trying to like you know keep, keep yeah. at it and try everything that needed to be done but he also didn't obsess about it and he just went look this will get me eventually this will kill me yeah it might not be now i'm gonna give it i'm gonna keep going as long as i can but reality is like i should be dead like he, that's what he would say and and even when you know it, in his second brain surgery which was 2016 and we have the conversation and he was a little bit, it's the first time I ever saw him nervous was before that second surgery. He really was not that person. And he was like, he was worried about coming out of that disabled rather than um, him dying. He was just worried. Yeah. That. He basically said to me as bluntly as it, as he would always say, he just said, I just don't want you feeding me fucking yogurt. <laughs> I just go on and match. Like, I just don't want you feeding me yogurt. Yeah. Like some like, snap it. that's just what I didn't want. And, no, and the truth I'm is, no, that's that's our biggest fear as humans as adult humans we don't want to be and this someone's is what burden. like the amount of kind of conversation and i don't know I, I was getting a little bit emotional then because it's like again this is like the first time where i'm hearing someone else have these conversations and i think until you're in that kind of scenario yes it may sound like you know like they're being brave and it's kind of that's there's that element of kind of oh you know they're trying they're doing this but when you're in that position and you're watching someone basically kind of fight for their life you you see it in their face sometimes like you you just you don't know you know what's going on and if they're kind of in that frame of mind of i'm ready or you know if this is going to happen mm -hmm. the fact that when they're in that situation their first thoughts are but i don't want to leave you behind what am i doing yeah. this for you and it's it's i don't know it's so commendable because obviously my mom does the same thing she's like you know i'm doing this they, for they you just, I'm, it's, yeah it's uh, i don't I know think it, it is it is emotional and i think we you know anyone that's experienced that kind of big big loss or big decision big it's real I, like that stuff that is hard you know and i remember when we after he had his second brain surgery a few months after we went back to the surgeon and he it actually said look i'm really sorry but it has started to grow again like we we might look at it, but it was just, and it was actually just before his brother had decided to put his wedding forward from the, I think it was supposed to be in the, the new year. Yeah. And he put his wedding forward because he wanted him to be part and he was just getting a bit concerned. We just wanted him to be there. And actually yeah. at the wedding, we knew then that it had started to grow again and that they were potentially, we knew that it already within two months started to grow again. And we knew actually that's really bad news. So we had the whole time at that wedding where, keeping that kind of secret from everybody. And I remember after the news of that, we sat in the car park and um, I remember because someone was tooting at us because we were, we had the lights on. So they wanted the car park in space. And I was like, <laughs> off. We were sat there. And um, and I remember Ross saying to me, okay. He sat, we sat for a bit and he was like, right. So where do you want to live? But what, where do you want to be? We need to work this out now. Like, And I was like, I'm not ready for that conversation. Like I was like, I'm just not ready. Like, I, yeah. I, 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 you know, you want, you almost want to fight what the inevitable and actually once you've got over that and, and don't ever, you know, I I've cried 
all the tears. Like it's not, I think sometimes yeah. when people hear me talk so um, openly about this, maybe they imagine I'm stoic. I'm not, I'm an emotional person. I just also believe that no tears in the world are going to change it. So eventually after the tears and after, you know, feeling sad and eventually you've got to go, okay, not, this doesn't do. And I remember, and I've spoken about this a lot, but I just remember for me that, that I had a real clarity moment in that when he was first diagnosed and I came home and I was actually by myself and, and obviously at the beginning, everyone's around you. And I walked in our own house and I looked around the house and suddenly everything in it. And I don't know if you've, I think most people who've gone through these big diagnoses and the yeah. you know big stuff have experienced this feeling of almost, it's almost like a weightlessness, maybe like a feeling of like nothing around me matters nor makes sense other than this thing in this moment. Yes. And I remember walking in the house and seeing mundane normal stuff the post on the table like stuff messy stuff that'll be left out washing whatever and just thinking none of this makes any sense and and I was actually booked to do a film after um I my casualty episodes had gone out on tv just before his diagnosis and I was set to do a film playing a footballer's wife or something like that and I remember I had to my first thought was I need to bring my agent to cancer I need to say I can't do that film and and then my thought went, I don't know why I ever wanted to do that. I don't care at all about acting. And bear in mind, as an actor, you're so driven. I spent, I started acting at 11 years old, my yeah. first professional job at 11. All I ever wanted to do was be on TV, in films. I worked my ass off and I, I yeah. did very well in what I was doing. But to be that driven at something and then something to shake the core values of who you are. It was that feeling. And I remember coming in the house, I sat on the kitchen floor and I cried and I cried and I really let it out. And then it got to a point where I just thought, this makes no difference. And if I want to be happy and I want to get through this and I want to get everybody else through this, then it's only me that's going to do it. Nobody else. So get up. So, cause I mean that, whole you know what you just said is again so relatable to me because it was just like okay all of a sudden like my mom was kind of like the matriarch of the family like she was the one who kept everyone together and obviously this woman was now not there um so i felt like i had to be that person i had to step into these shoes i had to keep the family going i had to Mm -hmm. to kind of hear someone else in possibly the worst moment of their life you know i can't even imagine well i can kind of imagine where your head is but obviously that's your situation but to get that kind of second wind like i i think you're the first person i've spoken to who actually has had that bit of a kick like i remember standing at the end of those kind of that corridor in intensive care and like people were going down to see my mom they were coming up they were crying and I was like I was the one giving them the hug saying like oh it's going to be okay it's going to be okay and then like you said like there was a real turning point where it's like you know what I was coming home from like work and I was seeing like you said like the letters on the table I was seeing like you know washing up in the sink I was just like it was like anger if anything so just like this means absolutely yeah, yeah, for continuing means, yeah. while you're dealing with that. And this is what, like now, especially, like I have this thing because around that kind of time it was happening, you know, like my friends were like moved by in their first homes and this, that and the other. And they were like, we're, and don't get me wrong, that's like, it's huge for them. But like, I remember getting so angry and just think like, if you honestly think that's all that matters, then it was just this real horrible, angry bubble. And it was, like you said, I can't even think, I think it was the conversation I had with my sister, you know, saying, you know, mom isn't going to make it. Seeing mm. her in that such a vulnerable state and kind of crying, like I never want to be in that situation again. And I think it was yeah. that that actually said, like, Do you know what? Enough of the fucking crying now. Like, we don't know if what's going to happen next. You know, worry about it if and when it happens. But what yeah. matters now is making you know everything as right as it possibly could and can yeah. be for us. And. Yeah. I don't know where that kind of energy comes from. I mean, God yeah, knows I, I think, no, I don't. I mean, I think it, I think it certainly comes from when you've got people to care for and, and you're looking out for other people. I don't think you, I don't think you, I think there's a weird, because you're not really necessarily doing it for yourself. You're doing it to make sure everyone's okay. And yeah. actually there's some benefit in that. And I've, I've tapped into that a lot. And I've always said that for me personally, they say people do things in times of inspiration and desperation. And I'm a, backs against the ropes oh God, like yeah. when you're my backs against the ropes like, <laughs> yeah when i'm there 
I will come out swinging. And I think that's something I know. I know not everybody can tap into that, but I think one of the biggest in terms of self-development and that's um, for your listeners, that's what I do now is, is my work is self-development. Some people call it life coaching. I, I work with people on this kind of stuff in, in a very real way. And for me, I think it's tapping into that. There's something called a helper high and you actually get a kickback from helping other people, right? So yes. if you can, in those worst moments, if you can be the organizer, if you can be, you know, the person that keeps people going, if you can, you can connect the dots for people, if you can, whatever it is, that actually helps you to work through it. And even, you know, where we're recording this in, in pandemic world, in pandemic time, and at the beginning of the pandemic, I actually slipped into watching the news because everybody was, I don't watch the news because no. I don't need that kind of negative in my life no, exactly like, the same <laughs> in in journalism they say if it bleeds it leads right yeah that's that's the negative like if it's so miserable that someone was murdered or killed it leads the story like that's miserable yeah. that's what we get from the news. we don't get happy news so i started watching the news during the pandemic and it wasn't something i did and certainly was i'm so protective of my my brain and what i let in i t- started to feel rubbish and i was like what why am i feeling so overwhelmed by everything and, and it was because I wasn't watching news and I was like, I'd zoomed out so much. I couldn't see straight. Whereas I was like, right. Okay. So in my worst part of my life, what did I do? And what I did in that time was I didn't consume. I created. That's why I use that time to create exactly what you're doing, right? This is exactly why I wanted you on the show. Cause it's like, like you, like you've said in the past and you know, I've watched, you know, many of your videos and it's like, you know, through this whole kind of people like to wallow in their self pity. People like to sure. have people feeling they like to be the sob story. Yeah. And with yourself, like it was like, no, I'm I'm not going to be mm-hmm. that person that you all want me to be. I'm turning this round, and I yeah. I fucking love that. And like, I think it's incredible. To, to me, like I just look at it and go, look, I want to be happy. I want my life to be good. I want my children to have a good life. I want people around me to be. And actually, I've recently been, been working with a really excellent marketing company who I'm going to plug slightly because they're a new marketing company called Awesome Source. And they're based around in, in Coventry and Leamington. So worth plugging when they're local. Yeah. Anyway, I sat down with them this week and they were, we were talking about my next steps with my business and, and sort of where we, um, you know, what's why do I do what I do you know that's the core of business culture and why do you do what you do and my thing for me is my my biggest driver is freedom right I want to be happy and I want to be free and that means for for me that means working for myself that means being able to get up and do what I want every day that that's what freedom looks like to me not the same for everybody but for me also it's not enough for me just to be happy and free it's not enough I don't know why that is but it's not I have to I have to, there's a, there's a drive in me that wants to help other people to have that same understanding. Now it's not one size fits all because we're all individuals. So when I talk about self-development stuff, it is about personal responsibility. You know, that's why I hasten to say life coach, because as we were saying at the beginning of, before we started recording, life coach to me feels like I'm, I'm telling you how to do your <laughs> yeah. life. Like, your bingo's out mom. on Friday. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Actually, my, my next door neighbor, if she ever listens to this, um, she tells me when the bins go out and fairness. I don't take personal responsibility for my own bins. I have good neighbors. Uh, but, you know, like, you know, for me, it's about myself, my form of self-development is about looking the tiger in the eye. It's about personal responsibility. It's about knowing what your own triggers are. It's about knowing how you work yourself out of the, the shit. It's about knowing that it's okay on the days when you need to sit eating chocolate in your pants, watching Netflix. And they're all, they're important days as well, as well as the days when you feel good. But it's always for me, it's about going, look, I'm not going to tell you that life is going to be brilliant all the time. I'm not about toxic positivity where yeah. like, everything's fine. Let's just smile and think positively. No, that doesn't, that, that might work for some people. I don't know, but for it's majority like a of people. It's a false sense of like security and hope though, isn't it? It's like, oh, no one is yeah. that happy all the time. Like, in even Buddhism, in like Disney like films, like everyone's like, oh god, like, they're miserable. Look at, yeah, look at what look what happens to them. Well, all, all my kids every time we watch Disney, they're like dead parent, and I'm like, yeah, it's dead parent. And of course, there's always a dead parent. Like, we, we joke, oh, god, it's miserable. Sorry, it's like it's gallows humor. Like you, when you go yeah. through tough stuff, like you've got to have that kind of gallows humor. Like that's what it's about. But life isn't like that, you know. I I did a TED talk. Um, was it last year or the year before? I can't remember now. This year has felt like ten years, so I've. No yeah, idea what yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, but my my TED talk was called Tough Luck, Why Accepting Life's 
um, why, sorry, while accepting life's hardships will set you free or something like that. I've forgotten the title, but basically what I was, the point of the Ted talk was that by accepting life's unfairness, that was the word, by yeah. accepting life's unfairness, because it is unfair. Like it is unfair. There's loads of unfairness. There's not, is, there isn't equality. There isn't all of that. And do you know what? Worrying about that and trying to change that with, I'm not saying don't try and change inequality in certain sectors, but what I'm saying is, is by you looking at your life and going, but I don't want this to happen when it's absolutely happening. It does nothing but cause you pain. And in yeah. Buddhism, not that I'm a Buddhist, but I, I did used to go to a Buddhist meditation class, which was actually really, really good. And it wasn't fluffy. It was, we would do a meditation and then we would talk about a topic like getting angry, why we get angry. And then we would discuss it and debate it and everyone would talk yeah. about it. And then we'd do another meditation. It was actually really helpful. But they talked about some of the Buddhist principles, which essentially do interest me because it's not about a God as such. So I, I quite a lot of the stuff is quite um, interesting uh, philosophies. And they talk a lot about that when I first went there, I actually thought it sounded quite negative, but they said, they said that essentially life is full of pain. Like it's full of pain. True. Every single day <laughs> life is painful, right? You feel, you wake up, you, you know, you feel a bit tired. You didn't sleep well. Somebody offends you. Somebody cuts you up in the car. Like this <laughs> stuff happens throughout your day that makes you feel pain. Right. But as soon as you can accept that and go, life is full of pain, what you can then do is look for the good, right? And so I say a lot to people, and I say to my kids as well, look, yeah, that's happened. I'm not minimizing it. Cry, have your thing, work through, what can we do? What do we need to do to go for a walk, whatever? Whatever you need to do to make you feel good, because that's individual to you. But then all you've got to do is work yourself to the next good thing. Because as much as people with a more negative mindset want to go, everything is rubbish in life, Yes, there's loads of shit stuff in life and there's loads of pain in life, as we've just said. But you know what? There also is loads of great stuff. There's and loads. Is, and, to, um, to quote my favorite rapper here, and lovely. People, people laugh at me all the time for this, but he, yeah. in one of his songs, says negatives to positives. I think he rhymes it with Lindsay Lohan, but Pitbull said it all those years ago. And you know, Pitbull is actually very, very positive and inspirational. And exactly. I he's a huge him. inspiration of mine. He's, do you know what, <laughs> Pitbull, I, I've got a big thing about gritty people and people yep. who hustle and get up and try again. Like, I've always been fascinated with those people. In fact, and I'm not saying she's necessarily the grittiest, but I remember being a kid and the Spice Girls were big because I'm super, like, 35. I'm we're old. all 90s kids. Went to see them the last nice year for the Rico. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I, I couldn't do it. It felt, it felt too sad to go back. No. Like, I felt like it, yeah, I didn't do it. I'm, I'm like, I'm the worst girl out there. Like, I'm just not. Like, I didn't watch Sex in the City and I didn't go to the Spice Girls concert. Like, I've just missed out. I'm so sorry, everyone. Um, but I just, you know, I'm obviously I was Sporty Spice. Um, that's, that, that's who I was, obviously, like, at the time. Um, but the Spice Girls, when I used to, I remember because I wanted to be an, an actress from really young and I was obviously really interested in how people, and they were a super like phenomenon, yeah. right? They, big global phenomenon. And no matter what you look back now and go, God, that looks so cheap and tacky. Now with these eyes in the nineties, that was a phenomenon. These were girl power. They were, <laughs> they were interesting, they were fun. And I remember reading Jerry Halliwell's book and reading her story. And it was all about how actually, you know, Jerry Halliwell had been in the circuit for a long time. She'd grafted a lot. She'd modeled, she'd done promotional modeling. She'd done this, that. And, and I remember thinking that's so interesting. Like, she didn't just go to drama school yeah. and then made it like, and it was the first time I realized, you know, I, I grew up in Newcastle. There wasn't drama schools and stuff. Like, so I started on TV at 11 on a show called Biker Grove. And, oh um, my God. So what, I didn't know you were in Biker Grove. I was in Biker Grove. So I grew up on, on Biker Grove for seven years. So that's no where I started way. TV. I was, yeah. And that was also a phenomenal. I really should have done my research before you came totally on. Totally should. I can't so believe sorry. I didn't drop that in. <laughs> because what I'm a like, show. I'm, I know, what a show. What a show. And so I grew up all my awkward teenagers on TV. But while I was in that, you know, like it was normal kids. So we didn't have all the same stuff. So when I'm like looking at people in Hollywood and they're all glamorous and they did like the Disney channel like, and we were like just scruffy normal kids yeah. like that did like a grove. It was very normal. <laughs> when I read Jerry, Jerry Halliwell's book, it was, I found her very 
get up and keep trying and it really interests me and resilience has always interested me and certainly as an actor you get knocked back a, a hundred times before you get a, a one yeah. or even if you do well it's a lot of knockbacks you can't take yourself too seriously the actors that do tend to go down really mental, big mental health issues so that's actually how I got when I was growing up on tv I got into self-development then because yeah. and god knows why my dad was a welder my mum worked in a bank like it wasn't like I was growing up with people chanting and talking yeah. about crystals and stuff but I knew <laughs> I knew growing up on tv suddenly I was this kid on the tv and I knew that I didn't want to feel shit and I felt shit and I was I had real bad body dysmorphia I could I, I thought that if I stepped out the house that people would faint with how ugly I was and like oh, wow. I just couldn't bear it like because essentially like you look at it from a psychologist's point of view every day I went to work and people put makeup on my face and corrected my face every day yeah. and then I was on TV in a time where we didn't have social media nobody was on TV there wasn't reality TV it was a big deal like at the height of biker golf during my time we were getting you know 1.3 million viewers which actually by today's standards is actually still it's a lot still really good yeah it's still really good because at the time there wasn't as many channels people very few people could afford to have sky tv and so do you it was feel a lot quite people, lucky now like looking back at kind of with all those kind of things you know like the body dysmorphia especially around social yeah. media do you feel quite lucky that we were before that generation so of much, facebook so twitter much. instagram because it, it scares the shit out of me now. It, yeah, and a, and a friend of, and not saying this was the only reason, but a, you know, a prime example is what we're seeing in reality TV. And a friend of mine, Sophie Grade, and who was in Love Island and and sadly killed herself. Um, not saying that was the only reason, but there was such yeah. a lot of horrible, horrible comments on social media. And and I have said this for a long time. My tiny modicum of fame that I've had in my life and my platform I've the reality is from 11 years old I've had a platform whether yeah. it was on tv whether it was on social media and so the, it's a weird space to be in to live like that like I I don't know any difference so it's not weird but it's been such a slow trajectory and it's had its yeah. peaks and troughs at times actually it's a much nicer place and I see young people look you know look into reality tv like oh, I just want to be famous I'm like you've got no idea how nothing yeah. that is it's nothing like I have done some really big stuff in my time that you know those people that like desperately hanker after that fame would love and I'm like it doesn't do you know what when we're talking about the stuff we're talking about when it comes to life and death and and the real stuff when babies are born when people are in love like that's what matters yeah. fame is is it's nothing it's nothing the only thing if you have a platform it's it's a great way to be able to do good stuff and so I've yeah, always tried 100%. to use my platform to 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 reach a, a you know to, to give myself a nice life first but also to to help other people as well and and but for growing I'm just so lucky that I didn't but it also helps me to um to help people now because I lived in both worlds I was in a unique position that I actually did have a platform before people of my who, people of my age didn't and so you know I was I was known as the kid off tv and I would yeah. be on you know whatever um you know live and kicking and, and things like that and do all of that you are live and kicking as well yeah just like when you like go and do chats and that live and kicking was a good show oh, and the i sad really should have done my thing wasn't smtv no, live didn't do smtv no without oh, God, dad, was... no didn't no i did oh, like was, SMTV. No. i think i think i was was i finishing up biker then i can't remember but yeah i did it from sort of till about 2001 2000 i was 18 when i left and then i went to go and sign with sony so I did singing, did Top of the Pops and all of that kind of oh stuff. Oh my so, God. So you've done, you've so done it some, all. I've lived a hundred lives. Yeah. Like it hasn't been, like I really feel like that. And I, at 35, it's like, there's no simple way of explaining how I've got to this point. You're a bit of a career gypsy. Is, <laughs> I, I'm absolutely like I've just hustled and all I've known like I, I really think this is important for young people to understand I say to my kids a lot like you don't have to be one thing forever this is not the 1960s or 70s yeah. or even 80s like you don't get a job for life guys like but what you can do, the great thing about the, the internet and this connection that we have in this world is you can decide to be whatever you mm. want to be. Even a bag for life isn't for life. It's, it's, it's all not. a lie. Is, it's all a lie. It's, all, it's a terrible lie. It exactly. Is a terrible lie. I'm on to you, Tesco. 
Exactly. Well, I've my, my kids and at the supermarkets. <laughs> All apply. Yes. Please, please, sponsor. <laughs> please sponsor us, and I'll say that your bag for life is for life. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it. You know, like people have got to realize you don't have to be one thing forever, and actually, it's far more interesting to find the things that you love, and whether you're obsessed with. I don't know, viral pens and gardening, or you, you know, you love singing and acting, whatever it is, find your love and make something. But, you know, you hear people like, I don't know if you follow Gary V, who, who talks a lot about, um, you know, he talks about social media a lot and is very much in marketing and social media. But one of the things, you know, he's always saying, like, people laugh at young kids starting YouTube channels. Yeah. They're making millions. You can and this, laugh. Do you know what? You this want. is one of the things, and it's not, I, I don't even know why, but. I get defensive as if they're like my family, but when people slag off the Kardashians, like mm. don't you mind, I don't agree with everything they do, but they have well literally worked their asses off. And now they're the most famous family in, you know, if not the world, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. I feel like, well, you know, people will always kind of point and laugh until you're doing well. And then exactly. they want to know you. Yeah. 100% listen I've I've had it all during during my um you know the different things that I've done and I just secretly smile to myself because you know what it doesn't matter as long as you're living your life in a way that the values sit well with you and you feel good about what you're doing the rest of the world will point in that because one it doesn't match their blueprint of the world yeah. two they're scared to do things like that themselves and it's much easier to laugh and it's okay you don't have to dismiss them you don't have to defend your position you just have to go this is what I'm doing like and I think you know that young people now are in such a great position but they also have to be very very protective of their mindsets and yeah. understanding like, I, I have a real understanding and I've, 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 I'm tempted to, to make a documentary about this because I know it's been done before, but I have such a unique positioning with my understanding of it in that the whole filtering and the whole thing and all that kind of stuff that we see yeah. on social media has such a negative impact on everybody, young it and does. old. And, and even people of our age have no idea how much stuff has changed. And I you know, I have a, a position that I understand that the everything is fake. I mean, everything that we see is manipulated. And I also think is, I'm, com I'm comfortable with magazines sometimes um, making things look more artistic. Like if, if there's a cover of Vogue, right? I don't expect it. And I, I'm not necessarily in the majority of my thinking on this, but I'm okay with things looking artistically perfect. There's sometimes yeah. a place for that. If, you know, I know we, we're, we're in this space now where we're going completely the other way. We want stretch marks and spots and everything. And there's a great place for that as well, because that's yeah. important because we're real people with veins on our face and blackheads and all of that's normal. But there's also a space for things to be almost otherworldly. Back in the day, we used to have, you know, Elvis and Marilyn and they were otherworldly. They were yeah. so yeah. untouchably famous. And now we've got like, I don't know, we've got like a Kardashian taking the bins out. Like that feels a little bit too real for me sometimes. Like, <laughs> It's nice. You don't even it's take nice. your bins out. I know, it's true. I do now. She just reminds me. <laughs> I'm such a bad person. But it's, it's good to, you know, it's good to have that. But then what worries me is that normal everyday people who don't have a platform, don't have a business, don't have any reason to perfect their stuff do. And I had a conversation. I did Lorraine Kelly, the last time I did Lorraine Kelly show last year. And I was sitting with a makeup artist who happened to be from Durham, so from my neck of the woods. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and so I was chatting to her and we were just talking and we got on to talking about a similar subject. And she said, oh, yeah, she said, one of my friends, and I, actually my jaw nearly hit the floor with this because this was a new level for me. One, she said, one of my friends will send me her photographs before she posts it onto social media to check that she hasn't doctored it so much that she's unrecognizable. <laughs> I mean, that is what? so depressing that's extreme that is that's so but, but you know what we, we, we what's think that this, doing inside actually, though what, what every what's, yeah. like, every time you do that you're telling yourself you're not good enough yeah. every single time like i show i've showed my daughters who are nine and seven i've showed them face tune we talk about this a lot i say look everything is and the girls will sometimes say um that's kind of like perfect isn't it they've made it perfect now yeah they made it perfect and, um, you know, that's really an important thing because what happens is that because Janet from work does it on her holiday pics, 
yeah. Sarah from work's got to do the same because she doesn't want to put her real hard depicts in with her rolls and with her cellulite because yeah. she doesn't feel good enough to post that. But Janet from work still has cellulite and rolls. She just took hers out with Facetune. Yeah. And I'm not even blaming Janet because Janet's a product of this whole system of this perfection and not seeing anything real. I once had an experience, one of my friends was on um, Emmerdale in, in the Daily Star. I don't know where I was because I wouldn't buy the Daily Star, but I was flicking through <laughs> the newspaper and I saw a picture of someone else reading the headlines and whatever. And I saw this picture of this girl like sprawled out in a bikini. I read that paper wherever I read it a few times before I read the name and it was my friend's name under it. And I was like, that's Did not you not her. even recognize her? I didn't even recognize her. They had changed her body wow. type quite athletic and they changed her body type to really fem like sort of a feminine, soft, yeah. uh, like curvaceous look. They just changed her face. Like it, I remember actually Daily Star as well. Years ago, I did a photo shoot for them and um, I was there when all the glamour girls were there. The glamour, do you think, do they have that now? Glamour models are not a thing. They're very much a thing of the past, aren't yeah. they? But these glamour girls, they're just on a shoot. And so I was in the room when they were touching up the photographs. And I watched them take half this girl's jaw off on this like thing, just totally hell? changed her face. And so how do we live up to that when those people who've done that photo shoot, who are beautiful girls, have then read their stuff in the newspaper, all excited to see themselves, and they've had half their jaw taken off. How yeah. does that make anybody feel? But, but you've even seen it such... now, even like with with men, like I've got, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say who it is, but it's quite clear that he does it like in every one of his photo he literally makes yeah. his teeth like peroxide <laughs> white and it was like yeah. i've that they are not your teeth no. <laughs> they're not and, your teeth. and, and i like, don't i on. don't want to like meet somebody then to go oh god like you yeah. don't look like what you like, like, what, what have you like? been eating <laughs> i know you're right you're right like what's going on like i don't want that and i also don't want it like what we have to really understand and this is the thing with how our brains work when it comes to feeling good right what we our brains work perfectly well but it's about what we put in if we if you put junk food in your body and expect to have a six pack you're dreaming if you pump your brain full of negative images and crap that makes you feel bad your brain is going to go well that's what holly wants yeah. to see more of i don't want to see more of that it's I like that weird more. instagram thing that like listens to your conversation it's like if you're mm. constantly like saying these things out loud instagram or facebook will pick on pick up on them and when you're scrolling through you're like oh, there's that how does it know that your brain is no different your brain is exactly the same as your, as it's like an algorithm. There's something actually, if we're going to be all like clever in that, bro, it's something called the RAS, which is called the reticular activating system. And what that is, is a set of nerve endings. And it's basically like you're a bouncer at the door, right? So it's letting in what you keep, basically what you spend your time focusing on, yeah. um, what you believe about yourself and what you believe about the world. Our brains run on something called confirmation bias. And that just means we like to be right. So if we keep pumping in, the world is a crap place. The world is horrible. Nobody likes me. I'm a shit loser, right? If you keep saying that to yourself over and over again on repetition, what your brain, the Raz opens its door, come on in there. And what it lets in is information that backs that up right? So it will let in every time. So as an example, let's say you're a person that really thinks you're a loser and everybody hates you. And that's what you've, for whatever reason, you've got to that point, right? Yeah. Then you walk past someone on the street and you wave at them and they don't wave back. Awkward moment, right? If you are a <laughs> negative person like that, right? And you will think that's be well, your razz will open up and go, come on in, let's pop yeah. that into the pile of you're a loser and nobody likes you, right? <laughs> If you, have, if you have trained, and it is about training yourself, if you've trained your brain to have high self-esteem, I've said I did not have high self-esteem about the way that I look. I have really high self-esteem about the way I look now. And it's not because yeah. I've changed the world. All right, everybody grows up a bit, but that's not why. I could yeah. quite easily have gone through all of my life feeling rubbish about myself, no matter what I look like. It's not. It's because I did the work on inter the inside of me. Yeah. And what happened, if I, if I walked past someone that didn't wave at me, I think, oh, they must have missed me. They must be busy. They must, they're in their own world. Like, I wouldn't egg. take that person. Yeah, I was like, what? I, I'd <laughs> exactly. Like, what? I, I was in Biker Grove. <laughs> don't you know? <laughs> Drop that in. You know? And they'd be like, what is that? Your 35 year old yeah. woman. Like, what is that show? I'll say, Google it. Anton Deckard. <laughs> but you know like I, this is all about you know what we let in our brain and this is so so fundamental to in terms of my self-development stuff the stuff i talk about 
that's all it's about it is a rocket science like we think yeah. it's really complicated our brains are actually they're amazing and really simplistic like yeah we we have a choice about how we want to live our lives. We, even when we feel like we don't, and I know we're sometimes in a position and you might be people in this that are going, no, but I'm really going through hard stuff. I don't have any money. I, I grew up in a rubbish area. I don't have a support family. I hear it all. I, I get it. Mm -hmm. I get, I'm not saying it's easy, but you know what you can do about some of that stuff? Fuck all. Nothing. You can't <laughs> yes. decide. You can't decide where you are born, right? That's just, you dropped on this planet, right? You could be born in the, depths of the sahara i don't know if that people can be born can they be born there and um, right you could be yeah, born I in, imagine it's very hot <laughs> it's probably quite hot and you could be born there and you could be singed <laughs> you could be you can be born anywhere in this world and we don't have a choice in that and you don't have a choice with the family that you brought into there's nothing you can do about that but at a point when you're a fully functional adult then you have to go then you have to make some decisions and i'm not saying that easy because sometimes they're really hard and really unfair and you, you might look to other people and think, well, they've had it easier. And they have, and they might have. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do. You can bang your head against the wall going, oh, well, I just wish it wasn't this. But it is. So now what? Yeah. Now what are you going to do? About it? And I, I know that sounds like, you know, tough talk to people. And, and they might think I've... But people I've need that. I, like, I, again, I completely relate to it because I can sit here all day thinking like, oh, you know, I'm really sad. This has happened. This has happened. I haven't had the best mm -hmm. of childhood. I don't live in the nicest of house. Who's going to change it? the people who I'm moaning to, they're not going to change it. So <laughs> no. it, it, like, it falls on me. So am I going to waste yeah. my time moaning about it? Or am I going to start working on it to get to the things that I want to do? Because like, exactly. you're, you're the master of your own destiny at the end of the day. Like, cut the shit. Stop whinging. If you want something yeah. to change that bad, you're going to have to start taking that first step to get into where you need to be. Absolutely. And it, and along the way, there'll be obstacles. But what I would say, you know, if you can think, if you can work out, okay, what do I want it to look like? Even if that changes, right? Because it will, things change, you, you, what you like changes. But like you say, right, this is, this is my end goal. My, and your end goal might be, I want, a, I want a, a normal house with a nice family and I want to be surrounded by love, right? That might be the most, the pinnacle of your aspirations. And there's absolutely nothing more beautiful in the world. There's nothing. Or it might be that you want to be a multi-millionaire and you want to live in the, the Hollywood Hills. Or I don't know, right? You want to, whatever, right? It doesn't matter what <laughs> it is because each of, each of us has our own dreams and destinies. And what I'm going to say is you can get to both of those. You can take steps and depending on where you are, some it is harder or it's easier or whatever else. But you have to understand once you, once you know what that is and you focus your mind on, right, what are the steps that I need to take to get there? How, who, can I, who can I get to help me? Maybe you need to engage and have a coach that's going to mentor yeah. you or you need to, like I did this, this week, I think, right, my next stage for me, my business is up leveled, certainly even in, in lockdown, everything's gone up again. I've got some big things happening. So now I go, okay, so I've been doing a lot of the market myself. Now I want to work with a marketing agency to help see what they can do to help me to that next step. Yeah. It might be that you go, right, for me, it could be that you want to lose weight and you feel unhealthy and, and you don't feel good about that. Okay, so what do you need to do? What do you need to you know change about your lifestyle? Who can you emulate? You know, can you get some advice of somebody? Can you go to the gym? Can you get a trainer? What can you do? Because there are some things that are in our control. There's no point focusing on what you can't control. It doesn't make it. It's yes. like, again, going back to the, the, the Buddhism thing. Like I'm a very visual person. So this is very good for visual people. Like I have this in my head. So what we do sometimes as, as people is we're gluttons for punishment, right? We like to feel pain. It's a weird, yeah, like sensitive comfortable with it when we felt pain for a long time you've gone through ill health you've gone through looking after somebody you've gone through grief you're used to that space of pain and 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 almost like an addiction to drama like you you see it all the time so in buddhism they talk about and i'm totally paraphrasing and in the buddhist style they'll be like that's totally not what I said but like this is this is what i, I do my have a high buddhist do you um, thought so yes yes yeah thought, thought so i knew it <laughs> definitely buddhist monks are listening they might be you've no idea um and so the they essentially say to like hold what we do when we do that it's like holding on to a hot piece of coal and then wondering why your hand's getting burnt right and what they say is instead of fucking burning your hand they don't say fucking burn. <laughs> You know them Buddhists just going around, stop fucking burning your hands in a Geordie accent. There might be a Maybe Geordie the Buddhist, Buddhist that I'm talking to aren't actually Buddhists. <laughs> <laughs> it 
It was just some bloke, right, at this pub was talking about coal. It was a miner. It was a miner. I'm from Newcastle. It was a miner. And so when you're doing that, like what they say essentially is just let go of the hot coal. Just stop holding on to it. And I know that makes so much sense. It makes it so easy. Yeah, it makes sense. But we don't do it. So when I'm, um, you know, when I'm because we all go through all good days and we're feeling a bit negative, we feel a bit sorry for ourselves and we're feeling frustrated and it's too hot as it's been the last few days. We feel a bit fed up. Instead of going into that space of like just rerunning all the shit stuff and thinking about that more and and causing yourself pain, right? Rerunning conversations where you should have said that thing and you didn't say it and you didn't tell the person to rock off when you want to. Instead of doing all that stuff that we do to ourselves as human beings, and it's all of us. And for your listeners that are sat there thinking, it's just me that does this, I'm a (laughs) lunatic. No, if you could see other people's brains, you would realize we're all mental. We're all lunatics and we're all through the same stuff. We just don't talk about it because it's embarrassing. So if you can visualize in those times, ah, do you know what I'm doing here? It's that hot coal. I'm burning my holding own hand. The coal. You were holding the coal. Let's go of the coal and do something nice for yourself. Run yourself a hot bath. I, don't know I feel like that's like the very British version of Frozen that you just described. Let it go. <laughs> let it go. Yes, so the, <laughs> the very British. <laughs> I literally could lost all train of thought then. Where can people find you if they need that little bit of advice? And, you know, I'm, I've talked so much away from this episode and it's, I feel quite honored that you've took the time to obviously come on and talk to it. And I know for a fact that a lot of my listeners are going to do the same. So where, where can they find you? So um, you will find me all over the social media. Um, so I have, a, I have a YouTube channel, which you mentioned called uh, Holly Matthews Online. So you can search me on Google and you'll find loads of loads of old conversations. If you are going through grief, particularly in that somewhere, I talked, I vlogged from the hospice. I talked very openly. So you'll find lots yeah. and you'll also see the next steps. And, and hopefully for you, those of you that are really in the, in the mix of grief, you will see a sense of hope. And, and you know, my family are doing really well. They're, they're great. I've got great kids who are currently posting notes through the door. <laughs> is that what the noise is? Um, that's what the noise is. Yeah, it's notes through the door and things. I'm sorry. Um, so, <laughs> it's okay. Um, so, you know, so you can find me on YouTube, um, Instagram, Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Facebook really heavily. So I do a lot of stuff on there. On Facebook, I also have a very special little Facebook group. So you can come and join the Facebook group. So it's the Happy Me Project Facebook group. You can search. It's a private group. So the good thing about that space is that I go live in there twice a week. So Monday morning, if you want to kick up the arse on a Monday morning, I do theater days. Everybody needs it on a Monday morning. So do that on a Monday morning. And then on a third, just change to Thursday evening. It's a free fall question and answer and that is essentially free life coaching and i've been doing that when we started lockdown i went live every single day in that group for like for about three months and that was purely that was my time and that was purely because i knew that people were going through it and they needed to find some understanding of stuff and a lot of people a huge chunk of my um audience are people that have never looked to self-development before and they thought it was a load of old shit and they they did but they still didn't feel very good and yeah. a lot of them will say, God, I never thought I would understand this, but I make it, it's about taking the fancy out of self-development. You don't yes. have to sit in the hills in Bali and chant over crystals unless you want to, <laughs> but I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how do you work around the fact that your nan's not very well, or, you know, the, the washing's got a bit too much and you feel stressed at the kids in lockdown. Like that's what we're talking about in there. So the people can join there. I also have some online courses, which are evergreen courses, which means they're available right now for you. And they're 30 pound and 60 pounds. So the Happy Me Project One is 21 days of audios, there's some videos, there's a workbook. It's been made deliberate. And this was made just after my husband died. And I made it because there was such a big audience going, how the hell are you getting through this? Yeah. And so for me, again, goes back to that create, not consume. I created this to give it to people and go, do this. And I had no expectation about that course at all. It was just, let's just put it out there. And then I can, if people need it, they can do that. I know it's really good. It's the, it's the fundamentals of what I do every day to not lose my head. So if you, if you've, and this can be for somebody who's right down their self-development, you know, journey, they've done it loads. Sometimes you need to hear it in a different way. You know, you go to a aerobics class, you don't just do one class and go, that's me done. I know aerobics now I've done it. You go (laughs) back. I went to to an intensive um, fitness (laughs) class. I don't know what it was like boot camp kind of thing went once you're like not for me never go again (laughs) i've done it completed you can can 
complete some things. So they've got that one. And then the Happy Me Project 2 was launched the beginning of this year. The Happy Me Project 2 is about self-belief and confidence. So it's the inner work. It's why do you believe this about yourself? Why don't you have, why don't you have this inner core belief? We talk all about that kind of stuff. And then also from my acting experience, and also I've worked a lot with um, high-end, top-end business executives on their body language, um, and, um, and how they look good. So it's actually also, how do you look confident? Because yeah. it's all well and good doing all the inner work, but actually still walking around meek like a wallflower. The world will respond to you in exactly the same way, if that's the case. So you need both in tandem. So th- that course is also available. And again, 30 pound the first one, 60 pound the, the second. You don't have, you can do them separately. You don't have to do an, any order. I just made it easier to call them one and two. That was it. <laughs> and, at the end of this, yeah, it's not the end, well, October, I guess that's essentially the end. Um, at the end of this year, I'm going to be doing a six-week uh, coaching program, which will be around the, this new stage. We're coming out of a pandemic, right? Yeah. We need to work out who the hell we are, who you are, what you want. You've Definitely. probably had time to think. We're going to talk about resilience, confidence, all of the stuff I talk about that, but in the, in the sort of short courses – but those are self-study, which is great for some people. But for this one, I want to show up for six weeks. I'll be showing up on um, once a week and there'll be stuff for you to do. There'll be, you'll be doing it with a group. So you'll be supported and stuff through that. So that's something that that coaching program is going to be new for this year. So that's coming out as well. So if people type in Holly Matthews, I am hollymatthews.com is my website. If you type in Holly Matthews into Google and you can't find me, the internet is broken. <laughs> I, if you can't find me, then I don't know why you're looking. Like, That's so what? annoying because if I type my name into Google, I get a very famous country singer every time. Oh, lovely. <laughs> you should have started that. I love a bit of country. I know. Do you know how bad I was talking to my friend this week um, that um, I actually, how bad is this? I mean, this makes me sound like such a knob, but I forgot <laughs> last year. Last year, I forgot how old I was, right? I was like, am I 35 or 36? And I wikipedia no, myself. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, no, I wikipedia <laughs> myself. That's outrageous, isn't it? I mean, who do I'm so Hollywood. Like, who do I think I am? I don't know who you are. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, who am I? I don't know. Okay, who you I am don't. <laughs> No, oh, I don't know my age. Uh, that's for a start. I mean, that's ridiculous. So yeah, so there's stuff on there, but I'm look. Listen, I'm sure. The great thing about Wikipedia, you can change it. So if you ever feel like oh, taking oh, like a few years off of yourself, course. there you go. And I won't even know I've done. I won't remember because I'm clearly not very good at remembering things. I'll forget that I did. I think I'm 21. Lovely. How perfect. Happy birthday. So happy birthday, me. And so people, I'm hoping that from listening to this, your listeners will be able to see that I am very approachable and real. And I will not, in terms of culture, people can work with me one-on-one. It's more expensive for people to work with me one-on-one because it's my yeah. my proper time. However, if you work with me one-on-one, you get my full undivided attention. Yeah. We're going to work on some shit, okay? So my clients that I work with at the moment, um, you know, this, they tend to stick with me because they want accountability. They want to work on things. And But you can tell that, like even just having this conversation, with you like I can tell how kind of not intense that's that makes it sound as if it's a bad thing but like how kind of driven and kind of how you know involved you actually are and how passionate you are about you know people being the best version of themselves so it's I think I'm definitely going to take something from this so I know for a fact a lot of other people are well, I really hope so. For me, look, at the end of the day, we are we are here for this much time. We're here for such a short space and in, in this yeah. in this earth. Whatever you believe about an afterlife or you don't, right? I personally have no belief in an afterlife. That's okay if you do. There's no judgment. We don't know the answers. But for me, on this realm, we're here for a short space of time. So we have to do something that makes us feel yes. good. That's we're it. For a good and we time, have to- not a long time exactly so, and that's it. so people can come and chat to me i will I, i'm nice like i'm all right and so i will tell you how it is but i'll do it in the nicest possible way and bloody drop them coals everyone everyone let go of the coals i mean let i can't believe as a geordie i'm talking about basically i'm talking about coal mining aren't i, I mean that's the same i'm talking about coal. Uh, you've I mean, got to work with what you've got haven't you well we don't even have that anymore no. not these days Thatcher and all that. Oh God, God. where have we gone? Yes, we're not going there. I mean, there's like waffle sharp, but yeah, I can't. I draw the line. I will waffle about anything, but not politics. Keep it, keep keep it out. Keep it out. I'm I'm in complete awe of you, and I'm so grateful that you took the time to obviously come and have a waffle with me. Like, um, you're you're 
I, and I hate using this word, but you're actually a really inspiring person to me. So I'm so grateful that I got the chance to kind of have this time. I've loved and it. I've loved it. Thank you. Anytime. Welcome back. Literally just give me a shout, have a waffle, but thank you Perfect. so much for joining me. You're very, very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. You've been listening to the waffle shop podcast. Huge. Thank you to my very special guest this week, the incredible Holly Matthews. Don't forget to check her out on social media. If you've liked the episode and you like what you're hearing, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and I'll see you next week. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You've been listening to the Waffle Shop Podcast with me, Taylor James. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and even leave a review. It means the world to me. See you soon.